If you ever have um, heard of Alanka, there's probably only one, right? I've never met another Alanka, and I, I want you to know she's one of a kind in the kingdom, too. She's got a beautiful heart. She's got a beautiful story. And she's got a beautiful voice, and she is here. She's an author, singer, um, just a beautiful, wonderful woman of God. Would you help me welcome, ladies, let's stand as she comes, Alanka Deaton. So happy to have you here. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. How's everybody doing? How are all y'all? Come on, that's funny. Me, South African accent, trying to say y'all? It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. But I'm so thrilled to be here today. It's, it's coming to my second church home whenever we come come here. And I always say this, but Pastor Karen, if it wasn't for you, I probably wouldn't be teaching. She was the first one to kind of call me out on that and said, come teach. And I said, you crazy. I just sing. And she said, no, come do this for us. And then year after year, she brings me back. And it's such, um, it's such a thrill for me. I get to witness your lives and walk with you with what you're going through. And you all get to walk with us. I cannot believe that we brought little Illy, who is almost a year old. And, um, September 30th, she'll be here. We are planning the best birthday party. I am going all out. I am baking cake pops and <laughs> cakes and chocolate molds and you name it and build things. I've lost my mind. But it will be the biggest event of the year for us. But we are so thrilled because we prayed for almost 10 years for her, right? And you all prayed with us for her. So a little update on that. She's doing well. Her eczema is a lot better. We still battle the peanut allergy just a little bit. So we just, you know, make sure that we, we do peanut-friendly kind of things. But she's doing great, and we're praying to see if God wants us to expand our family even more. We're, we're in a season of uh, praying to get a home of our, our, our own, to buy another house. And things are going well. But I must tell you, when I found out that I was pregnant in January of 2016, I instantly became a mom, right? But it's taking me through a process becoming a mother. I had no idea the challenges that comes with it, the guilt that comes with becoming a mom. Come on, ladies, you know, if you're, if you're giving formula, then you're wrong because you're not breastfeeding. If you're breastfeeding, then you're wrong because you're not giving formula. I mean, there's so many different opinions. Your head can spin, right? And it's a process for me. My elevator of estrogen changes daily. I'm still hot all the time. And one day I have 10 floors of estrogen. The next day I have 102 floors. I mean, it is a roller coaster ride, but we just kind of go with it, right? And my husband loves me, and we just go with it. But we're still not sleeping, so I am delightfully exhausted. You know, those mothers always say, you know, baby six weeks, and they're sleeping through the night. I'm like, you're either lying to me. Just joking, no. She doesn't sleep very well. And I think probably it's, it's my fault because I'm a little too attached to do the whole sleep training, cry it out thing. I, I should get better at that. I was telling Pastor Karen, I don't take her at my church to the nursery. I go with her to the nursery. <laughs> and the ladies there look at me like I've lost my mind. It's like, Ilonka, this is, this is so that you can go and get the message. So my idea is no, I go with her. And sit with her and play with her. And then Bill can tell me the message in the car on the way home. (laughs) 
Well, ladies, I want to sing a song over you to prepare you for the message that God has given me. And then I'm going to tell you to buckle in because we've got quite a bit to get through. But God loves you so much. And, and I want you to close your eyes as I sing the song over you, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. to really understand your grace to be able to rest in your grace to know Jesus that our sins were forgiven before we were born because Jesus you died way before we were even conceived I thank you for that Father God permeate our hearts with the reality and the truth of what grace really means Lord Should I gain from Israel? 
Ladies, if you have your Bibles, I want you to grab it. We're going we're gonna to start running. So buckle, buckle in. When I prayed about a message for, for you all today, I must say I had a struggle in my heart. And I, I tried several times to sit down and write. And I thought I had the message, and, but I didn't have the message. And then God just opened my mind and laid it out for me. And here's the title of our message today. It is Seasons of Change. Seasons have changed in our lives. I'm going to pick up in Ecclesiastes um, 3, verse 1 through 8, and I'm going to read the King James Version for you. To everything there is a season, a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn. And a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather the stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. To everything, there is a season. You know, the wonderful things in my mind when I think about seasons is seasons invite us into a deeper relationship with the Lord. If you just think about, let's take your relationship with God and we put it aside for a second and we just look at the seasons of the year. Summertime comes and you're going to enjoy 4th of July with your family and you guys make plans and now we're getting ready to go into fall and, and how many of you are decorating your homes with all the beautiful things, right? Michael's and Hobby Lobby and you walk in and you just, you just want apple pie, you know? And then winter comes and you hear people are going on ski trips and there's snow and then we get tired of that and we get into spring and there's new life that comes forth. Well, just like those seasons that we physically and literally go through every year, we go through seasons of change in our lives that resemble the seasons that we go through practically in a year. But the difference is, although God created the seasons, when we go through seasons of change in our lives, Jesus has to be in the center of all of those things for us in order for you and me to make that transition and growth in an effective, positive way through it. Would you agree with me? Right. Okay. This past year has brought great purpose, of course, for our family. And um, as I've mentioned, we do some very hard things like learning how, how to become a mother. But I must tell you that some of the change that has happened in my heart has come through that little 11-month-old and 6-month-old. I have learned more things about myself, and I have been more challenged with my own insecurities, with my own lack of intimacy problems, with my own lack of my relationship problems with Christ in dealing with her. It has been glorious. It has been difficult. It, I've been elated. I have cried. I've wept. Everything all together in just seasons that I moved through. And 
I've noticed that God is so generous that he never leaves us in a season for too long, right? He moves us pretty quickly through it. So the first season I want us to focus on is the season of understanding who we are as God's beloved. So I know that you all are going into a season, Pastor Karen, of, of, of focusing on that. So I want to challenge all of you. I want you to close your eyes for a second, and I'm going to ask you a question. How do you see yourself when you are called God's beloved? I want you to physically draw a mental image. How do you see yourself when you are called God's beloved? Take a moment and do that. Okay, now open your eyes. I want you to hold on to that image for the entire season of all the messages that Pastor Care and all the speakers are going to bring to raise, right? I want you to challenge yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to transform that picture that you just saw to really see how God sees you. Maybe you already see him the way that you're supposed to see him, but maybe you see God as someone who's chastising you someone who was against you, someone who was not for you. Maybe you're sitting at his feet resting, or maybe you are like Martha, just working, 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 working all the time. Whichever one you are, it's not wrong how you envision it, but I want God to transform your image of him and your relationship with him through the season so that you can be in more of a resting place with Jesus. Romans 9.25 says, I call the unloved and make them my beloved. You know, because one, one day we wake up, and maybe you're like me, and you feel skinny, and then the next day you feel fat. And then you put on your skinny jeans, and then you have fat pants that you wear, right? And then one moment you, um, you have a good hair day, and you think, wow, I'm so gorgeous. And the next day you're like, oh, I look so frumpy and unkept and I don't want to go out. And, you know, and, and maybe um, one, one day you want to go out with your friends and the next day you don't. Or one day you're depressed and the next you're not. And then you have anxiety and then you don't. I mean, we are all up and down. But the thing is, is that is how we interpret our relationship with the Lord a lot of times is based on our feelings. But we cannot go... And do that because our feelings do not determine who God and who Christ is. I mean, right? If I had to, if God had to be my emotions, I would constantly be trying to find a home. Because my hormones are so all over the place, they're trying to find number one. I wouldn't have no center. I would no, have, have no compass of who God really is. So we have to go back to God's word and say, okay, you, you, you made a promise in Hebrews 13, 5 that you will never leave me nor forsake me. I didn't make that up. So, yes, I can stand on that. This is who you say I am. You do say in Zephaniah 3, 17 that you sing over me, that you delight over me. You do say that you call the unloved. So when our emotions and feelings go up and down like a roller coaster, we have to root ourselves in God's word. So if you don't have a way where you can root yourself in God's word, you need to get one. If that is sticky notes on the dashboard of your car with fluorescent lights or whatever you need to do to remind yourself that God is who he says he is. If you need to laminate something and put it in your shower, do that. 
if you have not written a creed for yourself to say, this is who I am in Jesus, and pick your Bible verses, do that so that you can be reminded and rooted that even when you wake up one day and you feel like you are not loved, that you can remind your heart and you can remind your mind that, yes, I am loved, not because of how I feel, but because of who God says he is. Jesus did die for me before I was even born. All of my sins were forgiven before I was even born. We didn't make that up. That is our truth. That should be our reality. Second, one up, hang on one second, sorry. First John 3, 1 through 2 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. That's another one. We just stand on that. He says I'm his child. Even if I don't feel like it, I am his child. Amen? Amen. Second one is a season of forgiveness. Hmm. I want to share a story with you. I spoke at a women's conference um, a couple months ago. And I did a, a teaching series on, it was a three-day three day event where I taught women on how to unpack their stories. How do you start sharing your story? What to do when you, when you want to share your story, when you want to write it? Just how to unpack all of that and the different phases of it. Because a lot of time people want to do that, but they get stuck. They don't know where to start. It can be very overwhelming. So I was teaching this series, and, and I got to the portion of forgiveness. And, and forgiveness and unforgiveness is not, it's not a popular topic because if you preach on it, people don't like you. Because you're calling them out, right? But... Please know, as I'm saying this, I'm calling myself out as well. Because we all, if I say, who do you have in your life that you haven't forgiven? There's someone in your mind. We all have that person or that incident or that thing that comes up in our mind. So I was teaching on this, and, and after I did the message, um, a woman in her late 60s came up to me, and, and literally she looked like she was going to punch me. She was extremely angry at me, and she came up to me and she said, how dare you ask me to forgive? How dare you do that? Do you not know what I've been through in my life? And I said, no, ma'am, I, I don't know what you've been through in your life, but I do know that God wants to heal that place in you. I do know that God wants to give you freedom in that. And she said, my dad horribly abused me as a child. He, he raped me. He did all these things to me for years. And when I was 18 years old, I had to, to flee from him and and it was horrible, and he was a monster to me. And I will never, ever forgive him for what he did to me. And don't you dare ask me to. And I looked at her, and I said, and this wasn't a question that I prepared. The Holy Spirit just said to me, ask me how, how her relationship is now with her dad. And I said, ma'am, I'm just, I'm just curious. How is your relationship now with, with, with your dad? And she said, well, my dad's been dead 25 years. You know, I started crying when she said that, and I was shocked. Here's a woman who has been holding on to the wrongs that has been done to her in her life, and he's been dead for 25 years. Where does the revenge end? Where does the hatred stop? When do we as individuals say, I refuse to be a prisoner to what someone else has done to me in my life? I want that forgiveness. And you're not doing it for the other person. You are doing it for yourself. So I'm going to ask you, 
Where do you have unforgiveness in your life? And what would it look like if you were able to forgive that person? Now, ladies, hear me carefully when I say this to you. It is not up to you to give yourself forgiveness. We are not that powerful. We cannot forgive ourselves. You cannot just say, okay, I'm just going to forgive Pastor Karen, and there we go. Now, I can make the choice. If she, and by the way, she's not wronged me. I'm using it as an example. If Pastor Karen or I did something wrong to Pastor Karen, she then can make the choice to forgive me. We all have a choice to make, and God will allow you to, to make that choice or to not make that choice, like this woman who held on to it for 25 years. But once you've made that choice and you say, Holy Spirit, I give you full permission to come into this difficult thing in my life and to give me the forgiveness I need so that I can forgive this person who did this to me. Right? Then the process starts. Personally for me, with the man who offended me in my life, when I decided to forgive him, I'll never forget it, I was standing on a street corner when I said, God, I'm choosing to forgive this man even though I want to do horrible things to him. I choose to forgive him today. Now give me the portion of forgiveness that I need. It took me two years before I could actually honestly say, wow, I have forgiven him for what he's done to me. But I didn't do it. I only made the decision that I was willing to forgive. After the conversation I had with that woman where she was so angry with me, she stormed off and they went back into their small groups in their rooms. And the next morning I was getting ready to do another message and she came running up to me just weeping. And I could tell something was different, but I don't know, is she weeping because she's still mad at me or is she going to run me over or is this going to be a good thing? So Lord, protect me. <laughs> And she came up to me and she said, you'll never believe what happened to me. I went back to my room and, and all these women surrounded me and they just started praying for me. And they prayed for me for an hour and a half. And they just started praying. And as they started praying, I could feel like it was almost like something was being shaved off of my heart. And she made the decision to allow the Lord for the first time in all those years of holding on to what her dad did to her to start giving her the portion of forgiveness that she needs to be able to forgive him. Today, she's still in that process of walking that out, but she's a much freer woman than what she was when she was looking at me and saying, I will never. Our God is not a never God. He is a always God, isn't he? Absolutely always God. I was standing in my kitchen a couple of weeks ago, and Ialia um, is walking, and she loves to hold on to two objects at the same time, and then tries to hold on to a chair or a couch as she's walking, right? So I'm trying to teach her that, baby girl, you cannot do that. So she was walking into the kitchen, trying to put these two balls in her hand, and I said, Ily, you have to let those go in order to hold on. Listen again. You have to let them go in order for you to hold on. Our holding on is superficial. Only Christ can make you hold on to the things that needs to be held on to in your life. But when we as women, and we're so good at this, take control 
of the things in our lives like unforgiveness or forgiveness or controlling our family members. We hold on to it so tightly that there is no room for us because of our control to allow God the permission to work in those areas of our lives. And that's where that decision comes in that I've given you the example of unforgiveness. But when we do let go, I got to tell you though, and, and I was amazed that Amy said that this morning as well. When we do let go, you'll be able to hold on stronger because the Lord will be in those things with you. Whether it's a decision or a marriage problem or finances or, or unforgiveness or forgiveness. That is where the Lord wants us to be, is to have the cross always become bigger in our lives and we always become smaller so that Jesus can be the one that holds us up. And that's why... I told you earlier, we have to remind ourselves of who we are in the Lord because that is what roots us, right? We can have roots when we stand firmly on who God says that we are. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as in Christ God, just as Christ God has forgiven you. That is Ephesians 4, 31, 32. I want to tell you that there's nothing wrong with you if you're struggling with forgiving. If you are struggling to let a grudge go. Look, we all have been there. Uh, we all know what that feels like to go through that. Um, the point is, is I want to ask you, what, what do you do about it now? You willing to stay there or you willing to say no? I want, even if I don't feel like it today, I want God to change my heart in these areas. Mother Teresa has a brilliant quote that I'm going to read to you, and you've probably heard this before. Um, I had a dear friend of mine just slip it into my hand at church the other day, and she said, oh, you got to read this. She actually works for the, um, she's on the board for the Salvation Army, and she handed it to me, and she said, just read this. This is so amazing. And here's what it says. People are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are honest, people may say, you're a cheat. Be honest anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. For you see, in the end, it's between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Isn't that good? So many times we, we think that we need to turn to the person that has harmed us to find the forgiveness, right? It's like you need to do something to make me want to forgive you. But forgiveness that person cannot give you. Only God can give you that portion, right? So we have to turn to the Lord. I'm not saying that if it's in marriage and there's problem and infidelity that you don't have to work through things. There's a process to every single scenario that you can think about. But period, when it comes to forgiveness and unforgiveness, we have to turn upwardly to the Lord and say, I cry uncle. This is it. I cannot do it. You help me in that. Isn't that a wonderful quote? Love that quote. All right. Third one is a season of weariness. You know, personally in our ministry, um, this past year, Bill and I have, have become very weary uh, because we, we've had 
tremendous changes in ministry that have happened. We, we, don't, we don't see the road of where God is taking us, and we still don't. So you will pray for us about that. We still don't see where he's taking us, but we do know that God has, is shaking things up and, and, and twisting and turning things in our lives so that we can go where he needs us to go. And it's hard to trust the Lord when that happens in your life, right, when you're in that transition. Because, again, I want to control stuff. I want to know where I'm going. I want to plan it just like the birthday party. I want to know it, see it, do it. Here we go. You know, I'm a can-do girl. I should have been born in Texas. You know, come on, Lord, give it to me. But that's not how God works with us because why? He wants us to trust him, right? He wants us to rest in him and know that no sleepless night, no worry someday is going to make him go faster in explaining the path ahead of us. We have to trust him. This is what um, Matthew 11, 27, 28 to 29 says. I love this. All things have been entrusted to me by the Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except, except the Son. And those to whom the Son chose to reveal him. Come to me now, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Hmm. How do we do this when we're weary? Have you ever felt weary and someone says that verse to you and you just want to slap them? I mean, I have. Because I'm like, well, that's nice. How do you do that? It comes down to grace. Simple answer. You know, how many of you like to be busy in church? Come on, hands, let me see, yeah, okay, busy in church. How many of you like to, like, run your families and, you know, plan and do all that stuff? You're like me, okay, all right, okay. How many of you know that we don't have to do a single thing for the Lord? How many of you know that no matter if you pay your tithe on time or if you exactly do everything that you have come up in your brain legalistically to make God love you, that it doesn't change the fact that He loves you and you don't have to do a thing? Amen. I don't know if every single one of you um, has chosen to make a study of grace or to submerge yourself in grace. If you haven't, go listen to Joseph Prince. He's amazing. He will like rock your boots when it comes to grace. To really understand that there is nothing, there is absolutely nothing for you to do except believe on the things that Christ has done for you when you are in a weary season. You, if you cannot fix your marriage, if you cannot fix the relationship problems you have with your mother or your father or your brother or your sister, if you cannot do those things, if there is no way forward, you have to rest and say, Lord, Father God, here I am. Now I'm going to rest and let go and let you take this over so that you can help me understand this. And the reason I say this to you, and this is my last point, is because we are constantly in a season of hope. You are never without hope in your life. I don't care what you're going through. It could be the, the, the grimmest situation. That this precious mother that I heard of that, with, with five children that passed away in your church. Here's a dad now who has become a single parent, right? I cannot even, my, my mind cannot even wrap around the grief and the sorrow that that family is going through. But I know even in that, God is going to show his comfort in his face to them. God is going to surround him with his people. That's maybe not be what we wanted for her life. And it might be that we don't understand like how this has happened. 
But the point is not for us to ask why it is what, Lord? What is it that you want us to see? Show us your hope in this. We know that you are going to comfort us through this. And for you, you are never without hope in your life. You constantly have a season of hope in your life with every single transition that you go through. Jesus said that his yoke is easy and light because, again, there's nothing for us to do but to rest and just to believe on the things that Christ has done for us. If Jesus isn't sick, then you're not sick. He's not sitting in heaven sick, right? Now, I don't, cannot answer to you why some people get healed and some don't. That's not my job. That's God's job, right? All we have to do is trust that, yes, he is who he says he is. But every single day when you wake up, Jesus doesn't have marriage problems. Jesus doesn't have relationship problems. Amen? So you claim those things for yourself and you combat the enemy and say, get out of my house. Get out of my marriage. Get out of my mind. Get out of my heart. Whatever I'm struggling with in this season, get out of my life. You have no place here. I cannot tell you how many times I have been working with Ilya and the, and the enemy will attack me that I'm not a good mother. Just out of the blue. And then I'll say, Satan, just get behind me. Because you know what? Who's fighting my battles is Jesus. I'm like a little kid that peeks around the corner. going, get him, Jesus. Go. Hit him. Punch him. Right? Because we have the authority in Christ, right? We are not on our own. You're not on your own. So your constant season of hope has to be in every single season of struggle that you go through. Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. John 1.15.17 says, John bore witness about him and he cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given to Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We do not live in the Old Testament. I love the stories and we learn so much from them. But we live under the authority of Jesus Christ. And he died for you before you were born. He forgave all of your sins before you were born. So that is the resting place in which we need to live no matter what season of life you go through. Can I get a good amen?